Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, and the Pro Football Radio senior contributor, Ed Burgess, a.k.a. the Burgess. Welcome in. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, I can't wait. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. It's going to be another fun week of football for sure. And, well, two out of the three games are actually going to matter. The Lions Bears, nobody really cares about, except whether or not we're going to find out if Matt Nagy's fired by halftime or not. Yeah, uh, happy Thanksgiving, guys. Uh, I can't wait to stuff my face with mashed potatoes. That's that's my go-to on, on Thanksgiving. And can we just, can we, can we like start a petition to get the Detroit Lions off of Thanksgiving football? I'm sick of having to watch this team every Thanksgiving. Nah, man, nah. Death, taxes, Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. That is Americana at its finest. Well, I saw this. Uh, I saw this great tweet about how like get ready for 20 million Americans to bitch about the Lions being on prime time on Thanksgiving, but all those people will still watch that rather than talk to their family members. Yes, <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so I guess I guess in its uh, in its you know own little way, it's serving a purpose, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I guess it, it means that the NFL is getting their money and we get to watch trash football. <laughs> but hey football man. is football, right? Football is football, man, you know? Well, the best way the best way to think about it is, you know, that's the that's the game you can just have on in the background while you're, like, cooking and getting ready. And most people are mm-hmm. eating on two, three anyways. So by the time you're done eating and you're on the couch, you've got the real game starting, which is the, the Raiders and the Dallas Cowboys, and then the night game is going to be the Buffalo Bills and the, and the Saints. So... Those tours, those tours are gonna be some really good games to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? But uh, speaking of that Lions game, uh, the Chicago Bears are playing the Lions, and the first topic we want to hit on today is Matt Nagy. Uh, and this morning, a uh, on Twitter, a guy by the name of Mark Conkle uh, essentially came up with the information saying that Matt Nagy will coach his last game as the Bears head coach on th- on Thanksgiving in Detroit on Thursday. Um, that information kind of hit the hit the internet around 10 a.m. this morning, and it kind of spread like wildfire. Um, and then after that, as the day went on, you know, in, different reports came out saying that Beard's head coach himself hasn't, you know, heard anything from upper management saying he's been fired, um, and you know he doesn't really understand the status uh, of his job at the moment. So, so with all that being said, fellas, do you guys uh, believe the reports? Do you think it's something that you know is a long time coming? What's your initial thoughts on the Matt Nagy information? <laughs> a long time coming. Goddamn right, it's a long time coming. <laughs> this should have this should have happened years ago. Like specifically, uh, the last year uh, Mitchell Trubisky was there. Uh, you know, the year prior they went to the playoffs. Mitchell Trubisky actually looked like a, uh, you know, slightly above average quarterback. He brought that team to the playoffs. They lost the double doink. They went all in with Khalil Mack. Um, but, you know, you saw Trubisky doing running and gunning type of stuff and making plays off script. The following season, Matt Nagy decides to make him a pocket passer. Trubisky gets eaten alive. They ship him out, uh, and, and he ends up signing with Buffalo. But, I mean, this year has just been an absolute train wreck. The, the locker room was lost last year. Nobody's buying into what he's doing anymore. Ryan Pace is a joke who, as a general manager, I wouldn't be surprised if he finds his way to the unemployment line uh, by the end of the year. Um, I think this is going to happen. This is fate accompli. Um, I think what the big issue with, you know, air quote issue where Nagy later came out today at a presser and said, uh, you know, he that the reports are news to him. He hasn't heard anything from ownership. 
the Chicago Bears have never fired a head coach midseason in their like 102 plus year history. Um, but you know, I think I think that trend's gonna break. Um, I think he's gonna be fired, especially if they lose on Thanksgiving to the hapless Detroit Lions, which, you know, they're going to have Jared Goff at quarterback with an oblique injury. Um, it's definitely going to happen. If they lose to Detroit, it's going to be warp speed. He'll be finding his own way home. Um, but he's definitely done at the end of the year. J- just for their development of Justin Fields, they need to move on from Matt Nagy. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Puma. I really do believe that this actually is going to happen, and it really is a long time coming. Um, this team this year has been just, no matter where you look at it, it's just been an absolute train wreck. You know, start with the management of the quarterbacks with how defiant they were about Andy Dalton, and then Justin Fields comes in when Dalton's hurt, and then it's this whole circus of trying to figure out who's actually going to play for them. Uh, you know, they lost in pretty bad fashion on Sunday uh, against the Ravens. They more or less imploded on themselves um, in a game that was there to be had, and they should have won. So it's going to be a nice, nice, um, fresh breath of air, we'll call it, for, for, for Matt Nagy to get fired. I'm sick of looking at this guy and listening to him talk. And, yeah, like, like you said, Puma, about Justin Fields, like they need to get somebody else in there to develop him or they're going to risk ruining the kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and listen, this, all, this should have come a long time ago, Puma. You're right, man. Like, yeah, he had that one year where he went 12-4 and four, and he somehow got that team in the playoffs and they looked somewhat confident. But besides that, man, like it's just been bad. It's been 8-8 eight eight the last couple of years. Um, this year they kind of everything just fell off the you know fell off the the wagon. So you know it's it's best that they move on from from Matt Nagy. I think Justin Fields is is you know potentially a great quarterback in the NFL. You've got to get a coach in there that's gonna essentially you know be the best possible thing for Justin Fields to develop into a quarterback uh, that can stay in the league for a long time. So I think we all saw this coming. You know we didn't see it coming in the middle of the season because obviously the Bears don't do that in the middle of the season. But it's the right move. And you know at the end of the day. I do wonder how he's going to coach his last game against the Lions. I wonder if he's going to become more reckless than usual, um, you know, just uh, going out with the bank kind of thing. So we'll see how that plays out on on Thursday. Right. Like, especially if, if you know, what I don't understand, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the, the reporter that initially came out with that is the former beat reporter for the Chicago Bears. If you're going to come out with a statement like that, wouldn't that just crater your team's motivation to actually go out and play relatively hard on Thursday against the Detroit Lions? Like, if you know that potentially your head coach is on the way out, regardless of win or loss uh, against the Detroit Lions, where is the incentive to, like, actually perform for this head coach? I get it. They're professional athletes. But, like, if the reports are true and they already lost the locker room, what what incentive is there for you know uh, Hicks to go out there and and Allen Robinson who's been like an unhappy camper in that locker room uh, ever since the year started like if you're gonna come out with a report like that you might as well have just fired him today. Yeah, and uh, to Definitely, give information yeah. on that uh, on that writer Mark Conkle looks like he's a recipient of the 2011 Pulitzer. Pulitzer Prizer for the local reporting one produced the Peabody award-winning series Time. So it looks like Patch.com is who he writes for, and I don't even think this guy's a sports reporter. So I don't know how he ended up getting this information. I'm just reading off the the Patch.com user bio that they have for him. So I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, I thought I saw somewhere. I think he might have been a, a, a beat reporter a couple of years ago for the, the, the Chicago Times or, or something like that. I could be wrong, but 
That's what I thought I saw. Okay. All right. Well, regardless, it seems like this guy seems to be fairly plugged in. Even if he's not a B reporter, exactly. he seems to be some sort of award-winning writer. So he right. definitely has some uh, some pull when he says these kind of things. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to just go out there and and throw a you know a, a story that's not vetted out there. I mean, like you said, he's. An I mean, you could pull reporter. it out, Adam Schefter. You know, who knows? Well. <laughs> Yeah, that's a different that's a different topic. That's a different podcast. <laughs> but 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 look, all honesty, like he's he's a Pulitzer Prize like winning reporter, and like I, I just don't see him making that kind of mistake. Whether yeah. unless he's just trying to get his name out there, it, it to continue to build it. But it doesn't seem like he really truly needs that, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, just a quick uh, aside before we move on from this, who do you guys want to? see the Bears try to target as their next head coach. And obviously this is way too early and there's candidates like Eric Bieniemy and Josh McDaniels and so many other people that's names get thrown around. But if it was a perfect fit in your eyes for the Bears and the development of Justin Fields, who would you guys want to see in Chicago? I mean, like, in a perfect world, I think a lot of the teams that have head coaching vacancies, like the Raiders and soon-to-be Chicago Bears, they would die for a crack at, you know, um, Kellen Moore out in Dallas. But I don't think Jerry World is going to let him go uh, to to go, you know, coach a team. And, I mean, let's be honest, looking at the coaching performance of Mike McCarthy in totality as a Cowboy, and especially against the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday – um, I don't know if McCarthy's going to see year three as a Dallas Cowboy head coach. So really? maybe, oh, wow. I don't think so. I mean, if you look at this team, you know, yeah, they are leading the NFC East at the, you know, the first five weeks in the season, they looked almost unstoppable. One of the best teams in the football. They very well could still be one of the best teams in football. But I mean, if you're going to be making boneheaded coaching decisions, like, Hey, these guys aren't set. Maybe I should cut a timeout, call a timeout so Dak Prescott doesn't force a ball in the end zone before halftime and throws an interception. You know, you need to have in-game clock management. And, I mean, we all talk about this offline. Mike McCarthy is, like, the headmaster of the uh, inadvised school of uh, clock management uh, anchored by uh, Andy Reid from time to time. So, you know, you, you can't have decisions like that in a playoff game. So I, I honestly think he's not going to – I don't think he might see year three uh, just based on stuff like this. And, you know, when he got hired in Dallas, he touted himself as, oh, I hung out with the pro football focus guys for a weekend. So all of a sudden I'm the sage of analytics from my basement in Green Bay. <laughs> um, he hasn't done any of that. He hasn't done any of that. He's right up there with Joe Judge from time to time not having stones and going for it and using the analytics of the game. So maybe Kellen Moore might get a crack at the job. Assuming Kellen Moore isn't on the market, me personally, I feel like Byron Leftwich is going to be getting a lot of love uh, from uh, potential uh, head coaching vacancies just because of what he's done down in Arizona. And then you saw what he's done uh, the last couple of years in Tampa Bay. Uh, so I, I definitely think it's uh, it's within the realm of possibility. Kind of going off the beaten path. We all know Eric Bieniemy is going to you know possibly get some interviews uh, again as a head coach. But my dark horse candidate is going to be Byron Leftwich. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, aside from the names you you topped off there, I think uh, Kellen Moore definitely is a is a top guy out there that you could be looking at for a head coaching job, whether it's in Dallas or or elsewhere. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, another one who seems to be in the conversation every every year the past couple of years. Josh McDaniels, the guy up in New England, I I, I, I with what happened with him in Indianapolis a few years back, 
um, where he took the job and then bailed out. Um, I don't know if that's still going to hurt him, but seeing what he his offense is doing in New England with the rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, and for his development, maybe maybe the Chicago Bears try to entice him away from New England uh, to, to come in and be you know kind of the same guy for, for Justin Fields. But I don't think that the Patriots are going to let him go. I think that they're going to try to do whatever they can to keep him there. So uh, Byron Leftwich is an interesting name that you brought up, Puma. I, I just don't know how much stock I put into what he's doing down at Tampa Bay. I mean, I, that's, that's Tom Brady's offense, running that offense down there. I think he's more of just a, uh, a poster child for it. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd like to, I'm going I'm to pull for Eric Bieniemy to get this, get this gig here in, in Chicago. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, fellas, you guys ready to do some uh, Week 12 previews? Oh, yes. All right, let's start off the first game we're going to preview, the 5-5 five and five Las Vegas Raiders coming off of a, a little bit of a blowout loss to the Bengals. Uh, the final score of that game being 32-13. Uh, Raiders lose that game against the 7-3 Dallas Cowboys, who are coming off of a 19-9 loss to the Chiefs. So, 4 o'clock game. This is the game, you know, where we all sit down with our, our stuff, you know, faces, and we're on the couch. We're in a food coma. We're trying to watch this game. But if you actually get through it at the end of the game, who do you think is winning this game, fellas? Dallas, mm. easily. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, with what the Raiders have faced this year, um, it's finally catching up to them uh, with the off-field stuff. And, you know, some just between the lines and the X's and O's, some of the coaching decisions over the last three games, four games, really going back to when they uh, went across country up to uh, the Meadowlands to face the Giants – I mean, some of the coaching decisions are just abysmal. Uh, you know, you're kicking field goals from the eight-yard line when you're down, like, six points. You know, you really need to actually, you know, go for it and start putting points on the board to really keep your season alive uh, in the AFC West now that the Kansas City Chiefs have gotten up off the mat and kicked out at two. And uh, they seem to be possibly being one of the classes of the AFC uh, AFC as a whole. You need to keep up with them if you want to even a, a shot at a wild card. They didn't look the part. Derek Carr is just under duress from time to time. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, where has he been? Um, I guess he's happy. He's actually seeing the field in Las Vegas, but like nobody's really throwing the football to him. I mean, really the bright spots for the Raiders are, are Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. Um, defensively, Jonathan Abram is like, uh, in my opinion, Jamal Adams 2.0. He's a complete liability in coverage. Yeah, he's a thumper. He can really knock you to next week. But uh, they've been targeting him every every time in the passing game, and it's just it's just an absolute dumpster fire. Um, even if Dallas doesn't have C.D. Lamb because of the concussion, I don't think Amari Cooper is going to make it back because he tested positive for COVID last week. It's a short week. He's unvaccinated. I think he's going to miss this game because of that. Um, I still have faith in Dak Prescott throwing to Dalton, Sh- uh, Dalton Schultz, uh, Cedric Wilson, and uh, Zeke and Tony Pollard coming out the backfield. And a big part uh, of that offensive line is going to be coming back for this game in Tyron Smith. So, uh, give me Dallas. They're laying seven and a half points. Uh, I, I will gladly lay the seven and a half uh, Dallas going on the road in Las Vegas. Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, for a lot of the points you just said, Puma, I, the Raiders are in free fall. Uh, they've dealt with so much this year, you know, from, you know, the, the, the crap that went on with John Gruden to the Henry Ruggs situation. They're kind of in like a no-win spot. I mean, I'd have a hard time thinking that any coach could really rally these guys together to – to, to kind of push through it. I think it's more so a, a reset year for them at this point, despite how well they started off. Uh, the Cowboys, 
they disappointed me on on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs. I really did expect a better showing uh, from, especially from the Dallas offense. Uh, it's it's tough for me to tell whether or not it's more so more so that game was on the Kansas City defense stepping up, which they certainly have uh, over the past couple of weeks, um, or the the fact that Dallas's offense was just inept without Amari Cooper and then losing Ceedee Lamb early in that game. Uh, I I am going to pick the Cowboys here, laying the seven points. Um, you know, win outright. Uh, just. It, I am apprehensive because I don't think CeeDee Lamb is going to be good to go. I mean, with a short week, it's going to be tough for him to get back. Uh, and obviously, the situation with Amari Cooper, I don't know if you guys saw Jerry Jones and Michael Irvin absolutely blasting him for, for being selfish uh, and not getting vaccinated, kind of towing that line uh, you know, with the players on that. But it, the Raiders are, have not done anything lately to show me that they can they can compete in this game. So I, I'm going to go Cowboys minus the, you know, laying the points. Uh the Sharp Parker uh, agrees. Uh, he was all over the Cowboys uh, to win this game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Cowboys as well. Uh, it's It seems like the Raiders, they're basically done at this point. Uh, I'm watching that game against the Bengals, and they seem like they've given up in, in a weird way. And it's one of those give-ups where, like, they're trying to go out there and fake it. They're like, oh, I'm going to try to pretend like I'm giving some effort here, but you really know deep down they don't care anymore. Um, and, and I guess I, I see their point of view. They've been through a lot this season. The ups and downs that team has had in just 10 weeks is unreal, right? Think about where they started out, flying high, one of the best teams in the AFC. Derek Carr is in the MVP conversation. Boom, all the scandal comes out. John Gruden is out of your head coach. You know, you somehow find your bearings and you start to put the team together again. And then the whole Henry Ruggs thing, Henry Ruggs situation comes up and, and you know, that causes another, you know, whole set of issues that comes along with that. So I think it's just too much for that team. Um, I don't think they have sound leadership. Yeah, Derek Carr is a good leader and he's a quarterback, but I feel like they need more. I feel like the head coach in itself isn't the best leader possible. And I get that because he's a interim head coach. But this is a time where you need, you know, strong leadership from your quarterback and a really good head coach to kind of get you through all these uh these issues and they just don't have that on the other end i'm gonna take the dallas cowboys to win this game but the cowboys have scared me a little bit now that, i mean that's two out of three weeks now where they've looked somewhat inept on offense um they they kind of look like um they don't know how to play football offensively uh, on on uh, on Sunday. I get the Chiefs are, are playing some really good defense, but Dak is missing like wide open receivers, and the time he does get the ball to his receivers, they're dropping it. So there's something to watch there as well with the Cowboys. Like I said, this is two out of three weeks now where they've looked uh, fairly inept on offense. So we'll keep an eye on that. But at the moment, I think the Cowboys are just too much on Thanksgiving with the special jerseys and uh, the Salvation Army, you know, thing at the end of the red zone. It's just too much for those guys to overcome uh, if, if you're the Raiders. Mm-hmm. How's your sister taking all this? Not good. Uh, I don't <laughs> blame good. her. <laughs> it's been uh, it's been all over the spot for her. So she's kind of given up a little bit, no <laughs> lie. And I'm like, all right, well, it's only 10 weeks. So <laughs> she's already starting On to next forward. season. Yeah, she's already <laughs> looking towards the off season and looking forward to who the head coaches are going to be for the Raiders. Cool. You know. All right, let's move on to the uh, night game on Thanksgiving. We've got the 6-4 and four Buffalo Bills uh, coming off of an embarrassing loss to the Indianapolis Colts, taking on the 5-5 five and five New Orleans Saints, who also had a loss uh, against the Eagles on, on Sunday. So with that being said, uh, Puma, you know, this is your team. You know, you love you love Josh Allen and, and the Bills. So who do you got to win this game, man? Oh, God, I mean, this is such a t- – this game is a toss-up because – 
you know, you look at the Bills and, you know, you, you would have thought they were rounding the corner against the Jets uh, two weeks ago. And, man, that, that came down to a crashing halt against the Indianapolis Colts. Jonathan Taylor running wild. I think, what, what do you have, Burge? Like 180-plus yards, five, five total touchdowns. touchdowns. Um, My fantasy I mean, team was in pain after that. Yeah, Carson Wentz didn't have to really do a whole lot back there. And, like, the defense, you know, they were getting a lot of push against the, the offensive line and Josh Allen – uh, on the offensive side of the football. And I, I really don't know what to make of it because like the John, the, the, the Jonathan Taylor stuff, like, okay, you know, Tremaine Edmonds was inactive. I know he's a big part of that defense. He's a Jack of all trades type of dude. Uh, but I mean, I, I really don't know what the excuse was for the offense. I mean, they were down big. They couldn't even establish the run to take some of the heat off of, of Josh and kind of get into rhythm. They had to th- come, you know, throw from behind, the entire game, you know, bad ball handling. I get it. The weather, it was raining up at Buffalo, but you literally play in old, or- in old orchard park. Like you should know, like if it's going to be slick out there, we need to protect the football. And you know, there was one, there was one fumble where the lineman tried to recover it and it just shot out of him out the side. Like he had Vaseline on the football and somehow that, you know, they were able to recover it, but it was just a bad performance. Then on the other side of the football, Alvin Kamara might not play, uh, Mark Ingram was uh, on the uh, the, you know, the injury list today. I think he was uh, he didn't practice today. Alan Troutman, uh, he's on injured reserve. There's a lot like the, the the Saints are the walking wounded. Simeon is not really getting the job done. Um, I mean the the Buffalo Bills are favored by six points going into New Orleans. Yeah, that's a, that's I mean a big number. I'm going with the Bills to win, but I mean. I, I might be going with the Saints to cover the six. Like, I think it's going to be a close game. I think Buffalo could win outright in this one, but I, I don't feel confident. And, and honestly, I don't feel confident in that pick. This team is super inconsistent. You know, four or five weeks ago, we were talking about the Bills being the class of the AFC, uh, possibly having the AFC championship game go through Buffalo. And, and right now they're in free fall. They're one of the, the bottom wildcard teams at the moment because of how competitive this AFC is. Um, I mean, they really need to win this game. Like, if they lose this game, the walls are going to start be closing in. Mm-hmm. They have that big matchup against New England in two they weeks. They already have. Like, they need to win this game against the Saints, regardless of if you cover the spread or not. But like I said, Buffalo wins outright. I think New Orleans right now finds a way to cover the six. Puma, this is a little bit low-key must-win game for the Bills right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it is a low-key. It is a must-win at this point. The Sharks are circling, just like the Sharks are circling in Cleveland for Baker. This is a different kind of circling because of how it's going to pan out with the rest of the year. But, you know, you got people like Burge and half in New England's, you know, she takes finally catch up with the reality of what Josh Allen and the Bills are. And it's it's going to be a must-win game for these guys on Thursday night. With that being mm-hmm. said, Burge, let's bring in the, the resident Bills hater. Sir, what do you got to say about this? It's not a shitty take if it's been right all year. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Look. I've been on record about this with the Buffalo Bills since, since heck, last season even. This team was going to take a major step back this year. Josh Allen is going to take a step back this year. And it's coming coming right out to fruition here, uh, you know, in, the, in, in November. The Bills cannot run the ball. They, they don't have a running game. And you, you, you can say that they, they're, they're not establishing the run. They just can't do it. They're, they're, they're losing all the battles at the line of scrimmage. They're relying way too much on Josh Allen, and he's he's just not that guy that is is able to carry the entire offense. And we've seen it with even with the Patriots teams in the past when they kind of fizzled out uh, late in the seasons. 
uh, in the playoffs and stuff. You have to be balanced on offense, and they, they have zero balance. They're asking Josh Allen to do way too much, and he ends up throwing the ball, ball to the other team. And I, I've been so on about this all season, and I feel like it's starting to finally come full circle. Obviously, there's still a lot of football left to be played, and there's a lot of key matchups in December. But as it stands today, November 23rd, this Bills team is falling apart. I was so happy. I was happier on Sunday than I was watching, even when the, without the Patriots playing. Like It was just great watching the, the, the Colts and Jonathan Taylor just run all over him, all over the Buffalo Bills, just knowing that that's the identity of the Patriots, and they're going to they're gonna try to do the exact same thing against this Bill team in two weeks and next month uh, when they come to Foxborough. This Saints game absolutely is a must-win for the Buffalo Bills. Their schedule gets so much harder uh, you know, down the stretch here. they got to play, obviously, the two matchups with New England. They still have to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa in December. And, and don't don't sleep on the on the Carolina Panthers playing the, going up to Buffalo to you know to play them. Cam Newton since he's come back for them has actually played really well, uh, fitting into that offense down in Carolina. I, I know they didn't they didn't win this past weekend, but they've looked pretty good. Um, so yeah, absolutely a must win game for the Buffalo Bills. The Saints have their own share of problems with the injuries. Um, Alvin Kamara again may miss this game. Sounds like Mark Ingram is strong possibility to miss this game too. So you're asking a heck of a lot out of Trevor Simeon here, uh, you know, in prime time on Thanksgiving to, to you know, to beat a Buffalo team that you know has beat up on bad teams this year. Um, they, they, Buffalo's only good win this season came against Kansas City, and you know they, they, the rest of the games they've struggled or they've lost, and this seems like this could be a situation where Buffalo could end up beating up on a bad team in, in the Saints being, you know, so shorthanded that they could be. Um, I like New Orleans to cover the six points here. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. If I was a if I was a gambler on sports, man, I would not be going anywhere near this game. Um, but I, I think the Bills will end up squeaking it out. But uh, New Orleans definitely will cover, just like you said, Puma. Uh, Parker uh, loves the Saints in this game. Oh, there we go. There we go. No, listen, I'll, I'll be real with you 100% and really being as honest and objective as possible. I, I do think Josh Allen has regressed a little bit this year. Um, we thought that he was going to, you know, essentially just ride out the MVP level of play last year into this year. But at the moment, he has not. Uh, we're looking at some of these stats, and they're all over the place. I mean, yeah, he's had some good games, but a lot, a lot of these stats you're looking at, he has 51% completion against the Dolphins, 58 against the Steelers, you know, 57 against the Chiefs. Yeah, he won that game, sure. You know, close to 59. 60% against the Colts. It's It seems like you're not getting a very level, consistent play with the Bills. And obviously, I don't watch those guys every week, so I don't know exactly why that is. Um, but if I'm you, Puma, and, you know, actually, I'm a little bit of a Josh Allen fan as well, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned to see what's happening with this team, uh, the fact that they can't put it all together. And walking into New Orleans on Thanksgiving night, I mean, we joke about it, but Trevor Simeon did beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in that Superdome, right? That place gets so loud, it gets so charged, anything can happen. I'm, I'm, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked one bit if the Saints, you know, pull off the the upset against the Bill, uh, the Bills. But I'm with the Bills for now, just because I know they need it more. Um, hopefully that, you know, the fact that they need it, um, is gonna essentially give, you know, their give them more attention to the game, and hopefully they'll come out with guns a blazing and, and beat the beat the Saints. But Right now, I'm a little concerned about the the Bills going forward, man. Yeah, I mean, real quick, you know, if you go look at the the Saints and the the Eagles tape uh, <clears throat> last week, 
you really, if you're Brian Dayball and you're Josh Allen, you're going to want to recreate what Jalen Hurts did against the New Orleans Saints, where he he rushed for, I believe it was like 70, 78 yards and three touchdowns. Like, you don't need Josh Allen to rush for 100 yards. But, like, if you, like, get some design runs going, get start trying to get some sort of tempo, don't have Josh throw the football 45 times because we've seen over the course of the year, like, like you pointed out, Jay, throwing the football this year has been a little bit of an adventure in all facets of the game uh, for the Buffalo Bills. So try to, you know, if you can't establish the run with Zach Moss and, and Devin Singletary, then you are going to need to try to manufacture some moving the chains on the ground with Josh Allen's legs. I mean, personally, I think they can do it. I think really they're going to have to uh, if they if they really want to have a chance of winning this game. Uh, but, you know, they're going to have to cut it loose. Like, they're going to have to throw the kitchen sink against a, a you know, let's be honest, a, a walking wounded New Orleans Saints team. And who would have thought we'd be saying that about the Buffalo Bills? Uh, at this point of the season. Well, if, if Josh Allen can replicate what uh, what Justin Herbert did on Sunday night with the just the way he was able to manage the game via the passing attack and using his legs because he ended up with 382 yards through the uh, through the year and then 90 yards on the ground, especially when they were playing, you know, man-to-man, they left the, the middle of the field wide open. If he can just kind of, like, do that, where, you know, he picks and chooses where he runs instead of doing designed runs, I think that would be most beneficial for, for that game plan going into into the, the thunder down mm-hmm. yeah, i agree i agree with you jay because i there's no no part of me that it thinks that the bills are capable of you know rolling out like somebody like miles sanders 16 carries 94 yards you obviously had jalen hurts in there for 69 three touchdowns and then jordan howard also had 10 carries for 63 yards i don't think that moss and singletary are capable of doing what howard and sanders did last week i just don't think that the the bills are good enough in the running game to do that but that being said your formula from what Justin Herbert did Sunday night against the Steelers would be the way to do it, where throw the ball all over the place and pick and choose where you're going to, you know, take off with the ball. Yeah. Yep. yep. Puma, you, uh, you on the scared side or what, man? I mean, if they, if they don't win, if they don't win this, this game, it is, you know, I know, I know we have a bunch of Bill's mafia folks that follow us on the YouTube page. I mean, you, let's be honest here. If they, if you don't win against the saints, and then you go up to you have you know the Pats coming into into Old Orchard Park the following week, and let's all be honest here, like the Pats are one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now, and everything seems to be firing in all cylinders. Like you, you, you can't be like two games down. Now you're gonna have to win out the rest of the year. You might need some help from other guys. You're not from other teams, I should say. You're not controlling your own destiny here. You need to start going on a run here. I'm not saying you run the table, but like you need to win this game. You need to, you know, you need to win the two games against the against the Pats, which at this point right now, based on what we saw against the Colts, might be a Herculean effort because we know how New England loves to run the football. Um, you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to win the big games and never would have thought against a hapless Saints team right now, this would be a must win game for the season. Yeah. And then right after the Pats game, they got the Buccaneers. I mean, that's no easy feat either. Yeah. And I think they're going down to Tampa. Yep. Yeah. Going yeah. out to Tampa. Yep. yep. I mean, yeah. cold weather team going out to Tampa playing in 75 degree weather and it's humid as hell down there. 
And that's going to be a tough starting as well. And, you know, I know last night the Buccaneers play. We'll get to this down you know, on the game preview for the Buccaneers. Yeah, I know they play the Giants, but they're starting to play a little more disciplined defense. You're starting to see what the Chiefs did a couple of weeks ago, beating up on some bad teams and holding them down to three points here, seven points there, that kind of thing. I think you're starting to see a little bit of that with the Buccaneers as well as they get healthy. So we'll, we'll see how that game pans out. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to uh, the 8-3 and three Tennessee Titans taking on the 7-4 New England Patriots. The Titans are coming off of a shocking loss to the Texans. Uh, nobody saw that coming. And then the Patriots are coming off of a 25-0 blowout against the Falcons on Thursday, on Thursday Night Football. So with that being said, Burge, I know you're super excited about this. I'm going to let you go first because, you know, you know, you're the resident Patriots fan. So let's get your take on this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super looking forward to Sunday. It's a big matchup in the AFC in terms of playoff implications. Um, obviously, we saw Thursday night New England go into Atlanta, win 25-0 uh, down there. You know, score was a little bit skewed with how, how the game went due to a late pick six uh, in that game. It's a little bit of uh, we, what we expected in a Thursday night game. It was a little bit ugly, um, at least in terms of the Patriots' offense. The Patriots' defense showed up, played – basically as well as they've been playing over this stretch uh, against the lowly Falcons who had just come off an absolute blowout uh, blowout loss the week before. Um, nothing really impressed me with what the uh, the Patriots offense did, but they were efficient, you know, outside of the, you know, Mac Jones taking a shot down the field uh, and a good play by Terrell for an interception. They, they were relatively, uh, you know, protecting the ball and, you know, moving it. They did only score one offensive touchdown, but again, we expected that. Uh, going into Thursday night football, Tennessee laid an absolute egg uh, against against the Texans. I think we saw a lot of what it could very well be for the Titans with having to put the game on Tannehill's back. I think he threw for four interceptions in this game against the Texans, and you know the Tennessee this this they need to get right in this game, or you're you're looking at the you're looking down at the Indianapolis Colts, who were one of the hottest teams uh, in the AFC as well. So. Uh, that being said, uh, you know, I, I think New England's going to come out, basically play the exact formula that they've been playing over this win streak that they've had. They're going to run the ball. They're going to efficiently throw it. Uh, they're going to play sound defense. They're going to key in on, you know, pressuring Ryan Tannehill, try to get him to make some of the same mistakes he was making uh, last week against the Texans. Uh, I, I do like the Patriots to win this game, but I do believe it's going to be closer than, uh, you know, the sports books are saying the the Patriots are six-point favorites right now at home uh, against the Titans. I mean, the Titans are still you know, the number one seed in in the AFC, um, so they, they deserve some respect. I do believe this is going to be a close game. The Vrabel factor scares me a little bit. Um, you know, the history with Vrabel's Titans playing against the Patriots has not has not always gone well for the Patriots. Obviously, the playoff loss a few years ago in Brady's last game, um, and they, they have beat them. I think they played them that regular season two and they beat them as well. Um, so give me the Patriots to win, but I like the Titans to cover in this game. Um, I think it's going to be a, you know, field goal four point game. Uh, Parker has picked the Titans in this game. So that kind of swayed me a little bit because I think he's, he's thinking that this is going to be a closer game than, uh, than, than the sports books are thinking. Yeah. Let me jump in here real quick. And, and Burge, like, I, I don't know, maybe I'm, uh, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid too much here, Burge, but I don't think it's going to be a close game at all, man. I think this is going to be a double-digit win for the Patriots just because of... I just don't trust Ryan Tannehill. I mean, he threw four interceptions the other night, 
And with this defense and the Patriots and how well they're playing, I expect for them to get at least two turnovers on Sunday. Um, you know, if you look at all the statistical categories for the Patriots, they're between one and four, you know, throughout the league uh, in regards to defense. So they've got a top five defense. They're clicking all cylinders. It's, it's looking great. That running attack is starting to morph into, you know, its own as well. The offensive line is providing decent protection, much better than it did uh, in the beginning of the year. And obviously it's going to come down to Mac Jones and how well he plays, right? It's going to come down to can he manage the game? Can he make those few key throws? which I think you probably will be able to, and we'll see how it pans out on Sunday. But I actually feel no, like, you know, nervousness about this game at all. I understand Mike Rabel is, is a good coach, um, but at the end of the day, it's in New England. You know, it is Bill Belichick and that coaching staff, and I, I feel fairly confident about this game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing, before you go, Puma, I just want to hit one thing here. The one thing that scares me is how – Thursday night with the blitzing that the Falcons did, and they were able to get through to Jones on a few occasions. And I, I, I'm worried that Vrabel's going to scheme something up on defense that is going to confuse the either confuse the rookie Mac Jones and confuse the offensive line of the Patriots with the blitzing. Um, I think there was one play uh, in that game against Atlanta where I think it was Deron Harmon basically came right up the gut on Mac Jones. Mac Jones made a great play, stayed in there, got the throw out. Great throw and you know positive play, but against a better team, that and they start scheming those types of blitzes into their their game plan, it, it does concern me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I saw that on Thursday where they brought those blitzes from the second level and they brought those stunt blitzes mm-hmm. in. And I don't know enough about I don't watch breaking down film like you know other people do. I don't know enough if that's a offensive line issue or a Mac Jones issue. Right. You know, it's something that I have to keep an eye. On. I just don't expect it to be two weeks in a row that they've had 10 days that Josh McDaniels and Mac Jones aren't going to be able to sit down and be like, all right, well, listen, this is probably what's going to be happening. You know, I'm sure Mike Rabel and his coaching staff are viewing this uh, this video. They're going to bring the same blitzes. Now we'll be prepared for it. You feel me? And if they yeah, can't, absolutely. then it's concerning. It's concerning if in two weeks in a row you can't fix those mistakes. You feel me? Oh, 100% agree with you on that. Yep. All right. Y'all good? We, uh, yeah, we got it out of the way. Okay, all right, sweet. <laughs> you, okay. don't, you, don't, you don't agree with my uh, double-digit win uh, number? <laughs> no, no. I mean, really just, you know, from a betting perspective, this game opened up at, as of last night, I should say, it was five and a half as in Tennessee as an underdog. And then that started getting steamed up to, um, at one point it was six and a half. Uh, some books had it hitting seven at times, so... There was a lot of money going on New England, and it was just driving the, the point spread up. Uh, right now, it's settled between six, six and a half, depending on what sports book you're looking at here. Um, I'm I'm going to be the contrarian here, um, and just because it, I'm contrarian by nature, and two, you know, just look at what Tennessee has done as an underdog uh, over the course of the season, where they've won outright, they've beaten the Rams, they've you know they beat in the, they beat in the Buffalo Bills like they they've beat they were kind of on like a scorched earth policy uh, against teams when they were underdogs you know not only just against the spread but straight up and just outright winning the game um, Bud Dupree though being on injured reserve for the Tennessee Titans is going to be a bit of a problem I think they're going to start double teaming Justin Simmons a little bit more um, he started to show himself as a beast against the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, but then, you know, he kind of really wasn't anywhere to be found uh, against the Houston Texans. And that's kind of saying something because Houston really didn't do a whole lot on offense. But, I mean, Tennessee's going to have to figure figure something out to, to generate production because they just released Adrian Peterson. They just called up a running back from the practice squad because Jeremy McNichols is still out. Uh, he's on injured reserve. 
Um, De, you know, Devonta, Deontay Foreman uh, is right now running back one. Uh, Julio Jones, I think, you know, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe he's on injured reserve right now mm-hmm. with the hamstring. Um, so, you know, we saw we saw this against uh, the Atlanta Falcons where uh, Bill just schemed out, um, you know, Kyle Pitts because he was really the only person there that was able to function on the offense. You know, you got to figure Bill's going to scheme out A.J. Brown. So who is who is uh, Tannehill going to be throwing to? Are we going to see Tannehill maybe run a little bit more, scramble out the pocket, generate some yards, move the chains with his legs? But, I mean, some of these other guys are going to have to step up, and I, I bet they really wish uh, they had Josh Reynolds back on the team instead of releasing him outright before the, the trade deadline. Um but I, I, you know, all that being said, just gut instinct here. I'm taking Tennessee to cover the 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 six, six and a half, depending on what book you're looking at. And call me the damn the torpedoes guy, but I think Tennessee's going to win the game. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, you know, for me personally, and this is just how I view quarterbacks. You know, Ryan Tannehill is the perfect quarterback when everything is going well. Oh my God, this dude looks amazing, right? He he's an all world beater. When he's got the running game and when Derrick Henry is rolling and the defense is playing well, he's going to look great. I just don't think he can carry a team on a consistent basis for an extended period of time. Yeah, I know I understand he got the the win against the Rams with Derrick Henry not playing, but I just don't think he's the guy for four or five weeks when you, you know, throw on his shoulder and he say, hey, listen, it's on you now. We have a bunch of injuries. We've got, you know, games we must win now to keep seeding. I just don't think he's that guy. And I've always had this, you know, feeling about him. And I think you'll see that exposed on, on Sunday. Just just another thing, too. A.J. Brown is dinged up. Yeah. Uh, the initial reports were that he didn't have any broken rims or anything, I don't think. But, um, you know, just something to keep an eye on. He, he, he may not be 100% going into this game. So that that's a whole other thing. If they're without him in some way, then ugh, it could get yeah. ugly. And looking at their schedule um, for the rest of the year, this might be one of their last real tough that they ha- real tough tests that they have for the Titans. I mean, you've got the Jaguars after that, the Steelers, okay, um, 49ers, the Ti- the Dolphins, and the Texans. I mean, all those games are fairly winnable games for the Titans, even if they are not all 100. percent um, But I think this is a game that is going to be, I guess, crucial down the stretch for AFC seeding. And I think the Titans need this game in the worst of ways. But I just I just have no trust in in Tannehill in, in New England. So it'll be a fun game, though. 1 o'clock, you know, just like you, Brody, I was hoping they would shift it down to the Sunday Night Football game, but they kept the, the Browns and the and the Ravens game there, and that should be a fun one as well. Absolutely. You know? Um, okay, let's move on to the 7-3 Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the 6-5 and Indianapolis Colts. This should be a great game. Uh, the Buccaneers are coming off of a 30-10 uh, to 10 victory on Monday Night Football against the Giants. And the Colts uh, beat up on the Bills. Uh, it kind of embarrassed them on Sunday. So, with that being said, Puma, who do you win this game, brother? I'm going to go with the Colts. I, I really like what Indianapolis has been doing. Um, they, they've really, you know, they started off in a hole this year. Frank Reich and has really, you know, I say it all the time, that threw Carson Wentz in a Lazarus pit. And he seems to be uh, resurgent a little bit. Uh, and a lot of, the, you know, granted, the offense is going through Jonathan Taylor. And, and an argument could be made that Taylor uh, could potentially be in the running for MVP, just given how he's looked over the course of this run for the Indianapolis Colts. And I just, I think this is going to be a, uh, I think it's going to be a high scoring game. I think we're going to see a lot more out of Carson Wentz this game over, you know, compared to the last two weeks where, you know, you're facing teams that are decent you know, in pass coverage, but are horrid against the run, and you're just going to feed Jonathan Taylor the rock 30 times. 
Um, I think he's going to have to do a lot more. I like Michael Pittman in this game a lot. Um, I know this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is starting to round the corner a little bit. Uh, Murphy Bunting coming back uh, is a big part of that. We saw that the other night against the New York Giants, which one can make an argument the Giants are just hapless. But the other point is, is you know, at one point, this, this secondary for Tampa Bay was dumpster fire, and they, they tightened up. They held the team to 11 points. You know, let's start seeing what they can do against, you know, air quote, real competition here. Uh, but, you know, T.Y. Hilton, he should be going in this game. I know he was dinged up a couple of weeks ago with a quad injury, uh, essentially right after he got off of injured reserve. Uh, but I, I really like the Colts here. Uh, Indianapolis is a three-point dog. Uh, I think they covered the three. They went out right. I kind of leaned towards the over as well, too, with 52 as a, the total in this game, only because Tampa, you know, Tom's going to throw the ball all, all over the place. And we saw at times that this Colts defense can be had from time to time, <clears throat> and uh, I think uh, I think there might be times where they're going to give up the big play, and I think the the over has a chance of really uh, hitting in this game. So give me uh, give me the Colts getting three points, and give me the over at fifty two. Yeah, I mean Puma kind of hit it on the head there. I I really you know I, you know I bust your balls all the time about your your you know your man crush on Frank Reich, but uh, you know this season I've really really grown to like what he's doing there in Indianapolis. Um, you know, I, I think we were talking in the offseason about how we thought Carson Wentz was a great fit in Indianapolis, and it's it's paying off. Uh, he's he's efficient with the ball. I think he's only thrown three interceptions this year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for them, obviously, Jonathan Taylor is an absolute beast. I still kick myself every day for not taking him in my rookie draft in fantasy. And, you know... He's just running all over the place. And, you know, for me, I'd love to see him get the MVP if he continues this pace. And anything that, you know, out of the ordinary to have a running back win an MVP would be great. The the concern, little bit of a concern I have with that is, you know, him running into, a, you know, a stout run defense with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they've been pretty good all year when it comes to stopping the run. But, I mean... You're coming off a game where you just, you know, you scored five touchdowns, rushed for 180 yards on the ground. Uh, I don't want to bet against that. Uh, I'm going to take the Colts as well to win here, getting the three points. I, I think they're playing great football right now. They have to more or less win, you know, win win a bunch of these games to, to essentially catch Tennessee to win that division. Um, they, they seem to be, you know, getting right at the right time. So, yeah, give me the Colts, you know, you know plus the three here. Um, I think they do win outright. Uh, my boy Parker disagrees, and Jay's probably going to love it because he picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win this game. Nice. Jay, real quick before before you go, do we know if Vita Vea is going to make it for this game? Yeah, so that's the uh, the key factor for me is uh, Vita Vea. If he plays, and all indications right now are that he is going to play, um, if he plays, then I have absolute faith that that front seven is going to be able to shut down the running attack for the Indianapolis Colts and put the game on Carson Wentz to win. Um, and in that case, I like the Buccaneers because there's no way in hell you're going to tell me that Carson Wentz is going to outduel Tom Brady. So Vita Vea is the key for that. He was supposed to go Monday night. He was very close to going on Monday night, but the coaching staff held him out saying, listen, take the extra week to rest up. We're going to need you down the stretch. So he's going to play next uh, next Sunday. And, you know, if he does play, I, I, I expect the, the Colts to have issues moving the ball on the ground. And, and that's when Carson Wentz is going to have to do his thing. And 
And, uh, you know, on the other side of it, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're, they're rolling. You know, they're playing well on offense. They, they got Gronk back, and it looks like he's trying to get back into the groove of things with, with Brady. So I, I'm going to have the Buccaneers winning this game. And I think um, it's going to be closer than most people expect just because of, you know, the, the game, uh, because of how well the Colts are playing in general as a team. Um, so I'll, I'll probably do in the realm of like a 31-27 game. But this is one of the most intriguing matchups of the, uh, of the slate on Sunday now. With that being said, have you guys seen that new Colts document, the uh, the Hard Knocks in season Colts uh, for, on HBO Max yet or no? Not yet. I'm gonna Not watch yet. it this week. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. I saw I saw episode one, and and I've just absolutely you know um, gained a lot of respect for Frank Reich and who he is and how he runs that organization. It is such a surreal look into the week to week operation for the Colts and how they prepare with this uh, Hard Knocks uh, in season. Um, I would definitely implore you guys to watch that. I think it gives you a lot of key insights into how. You know the teams get ready for for battle on Sunday. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, and then finally, the Sunday football game: the six and five Cleveland Browns are taking on the seven and three Baltimore Ravens. Um, the Cleveland Browns are coming off of a win against the Lions, but I don't know if you can call a 13-10 win a good win. Um, and then the Baltimore Ravens uh, without Lamar Jackson, who seems to be sick or injured all the time for some reason. Uh, looks like uh, they they're coming off of one with Tyler Huntley up in Chicago that might have. Ended uh, Nagy's career, but uh, Puma, who do you got win this game, man? Uh, Jesus, I'm, you know I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. They're at home. Uh, the Cleveland, the Cleveland Browns. You know, you got, you got like the, you know, like the game operation where like you know you get the dude and you have the tweezers and you're trying to take the bones out without hitting the side or you get the buzzer hitting you. Um, that that's basically Baker Mayfield right now. He's got a, a torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder, really bad bone bruises in his knee, and a bone bruise on his heel. And he's just he, he's moving like geriatric Ben right now. And you know, I'm I'm not going to question his toughness. He's going out there. He's trying to ball. He's trying to do something. Plot twist. <laughs> I have the Baltimore you Ravens. Don't say. I have the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night. So whatever, man. Fuck Baker. Wow. <laughs> Well, it's going to be a clean sweep. I, I think the Ravens are going to win and cover the, you know, the four points that they're, you know, they're get, getting given here in this game. Uh, Cleveland really has has fallen apart. And, you know, I was I was here on the, in the offseason saying they were going to finish in last place in the division. And early in the season, I started drinking the Kool-Aid, too. I came right off of that. I thought they were going to play for the win the division. And now I'm going back to my preseason take where I think there is a strong chance and it's most likely going to happen that they're going to finish in the basement of this division just because more or less of what you just laid out, Jay. I, the behavior for Baker Mayfield after that game is just inexcusable, uncalled for from a professional, you know, a professional quarterback who's supposed to be the leader of your team. And if you can't go out and congratulate your opponent after a game, fine. Like, you're that into the game, you, you, you can't do it. You can't celebrate with your teammates. You can't address the media. And then on top of that, your wife goes out and, and starts questioning the entire team. Like, she's not being fed. She's not doing that on her own. That's that's mm -hmm. based off of, you know, stuff mm -hmm. she's hearing from, from her husband there, Baker. And, you know, it, it pains me to see that because I, I'm big with the whole sportsmanship thing in, in the league. And, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a huge, huge fan of all the celebrating and everything after the plays and you know, it doesn't make me a fan. You of love the, the taunting taunt rule there, Bruce? No, 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 no. I'm not a fan Get of what they're calling lawn. this year. But no, <laughs> all seriousness, though, like, have some, have some freaking class, man. Go out there and congratulate your opponent on a tough-fought game. Celebrate with your damn teammates that are out there, you know, mm -hmm. you know, grinding for you, you know, helping you up, picking you up when you're not playing your best. Like, that's, 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 that's like, 
101 for when you should be celebrating with your teammates and mm-hmm. thanking them for what they did. Instead, you choose to act like this. It's classless. And, you know, this this team's in free fall. I think that the Ravens are, are better coached than, than Cleveland. And, you know, they they squeaked out a win with a backup quarterback on, 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 on short notice. Yes, it was against a bad Chicago Bears team. But still, you, you still went out there and you grinded and you fought to the last minute and got the win in that game. Yeah. So as much as I want Cleveland to win this game because I – of the way the seeding is going to play out in the playoffs for, for my Patriots, I, I I can't pick against the Baltimore Ravens, and I think that this this has a this this has a potential to be kind of a blowout, especially if Lamar Jackson is playing and he's right. Parker agrees he's with the Ravens here too, so it's a full clean sweep of this. And you know, Jay, I'm starting to get right behind you on 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 Baker Mayfield. It's 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 an, I could possibly and I I would overlook the fact that he didn't congratulate the other team. He didn't go shake hands in the middle of the field. I see Brady do it all the time. It is what it is. That's fine. But Brady does it in defeat and in losses where he just walks mm-hmm. off the field. This dude didn't do it in in a win. And then on top of that, he decides not to celebrate with his teammates when you know this is a great you know a great joy when you beat mm-hmm. a anytime you get a win in the NFL you're supposed to be you're supposed to have a great time right. And yeah. then the, the worst thing is, you know, usually when you go to do the podium, that's the best time as a quarterback for you to talk up your offensive line, people, the coaching staff, you know, that puts all this hard Defense. work in during the week. Defense, people and, you know, parts of the team that don't get the limelight as a quarterback. And you, because of your bad performance, decide to walk away from that obligation and not prop up your teammates. It tells me a lot about who he is. He, he seems like a very self-centered guy, a very selfish guy, and it's all about him. We knew this about him in college. I mean, the, the incidents he's had and the bad judgments mm-hmm. he made back in college with being arrested and running from the cops and doing the bullshit where he planted the flag at Ohio Stadium, and that's to rub all of us <laughs> in Ohio the wrong way. And Not now that, that's... Look at what he did against Kansas, grabbing his you know, exactly. jack strap pretty much. All that's coming back to body in the ass now all of it is being used against him and and truthfully he deserves every single minute of it now just just to play a little bit of a contrarian here on this look at what the browns were going through before he came in to kind of stabilize that position i'm not saying that you know just in the way he's played over the past three years or so like the cleveland browns were known and you remember the jersey with all the all the names of all the Cleveland Browns quarterbacks to come through. I mean, Baker did come in, get them to the playoffs last year, and pretty much should have beaten the Kansas City Chiefs uh, in that game last year. Well, that's my problem right there. My problem is he's just good enough to get you in the playoffs, but he won't be able to take down a Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game. And the fucked up part is, Patrick Mahomes wasn't even on the field for that game. He got I concussed. Know. Chad Henney was in it, and he still couldn't beat him. He still couldn't outduel Chad Henney, man. And that's what the problem with Baker is. He's just good enough to give you hope, but he's not going to get you over the hump. And I understand Cleveland, they're one of those... There's one of those teams, you know, one of those towns that just want to grab onto something, and Baker could be that guy. But I think if they do, they're just looking at, you know, no real shot at winning a Super Bowl. So do you think, and I'm not asking you for an emotional uh, response to this, but do you think the Cleveland Browns pick up the fifth-year option on Baker Mayfield? Do you think that the the organization does it? They would have to. They would have to. They would have to buy time with him for another year. Um, But I do think in the long run, if they give him a big contract extension, I think that would be to the detriment of the team. Yeah, I, I, I kind of I second that a little bit. I, I think they have, they're kind of pot committed to have to give him that fifth year option at this point, um, to kind of set up to you know set the team up at least to to you know drop a rookie quarterback in there, buy buy some time. Maybe he 
maybe he has kind of the Antonio Brown kind of thing where he finally figures out, hey, I was a jackass, and turns it around and, you know, comes a little bit better uh, of a teammate and just an overall person, uh, you know, with his character. But you have to buy that time. Yeah, but I mean, well, four years in, I mean, like, when's he going to change? It's a little different from Antonio Brown because he's not the quarterback. He's not the, the face of the franchise. He's not the guy that's supposed to be out there every single day acting as a CEO. You know, with Antonio Brown, that stuff can be washed under the, the rug there, right? But with, with with Baker Mayfield, he he's the face of the franchise. Let's be honest about it, right? And can you have that guy being that immature four years in, still not learning how to be a quarterback? I mean, I think I think if he hasn't learned yet now, he probably never will. But at the same time, I, I still think you have to read into a little bit of what he's playing through right now. You know, I again, I, I get the whole everything. I'm with you on that. But, like, he is toughing it out right now, playing through all these injuries out there to try to help his team. Doesn't excuse any of his behavior. And, I, again, I'm with you on that. But you gotta you got to put a little bit of stock in, in, into that okay. where he's grinding out yeah, where he could shut it down. That, that's you know? fine. That's hang fine. On, hang on, real Go quick. What, but what does that say about the coaching staff yeah, exactly. and their faith mm-hmm. in Case Fair. Keenum? Like, if a hobbled, you know, Baker Mayfield is better than a healthy Case Keenum, who Stefanski had in that, you know, miracle run in Minnesota, and then he did win that spot start against the Denver Broncos. I mean, me personally, just looking at Baker trying to move after a play a couple of yards down the field, you're telling me he's better than Case Keenum when all he has to do is hand the ball off? Well, mm-hmm. I, I think he's holding this team back. And, and I said this earlier in the year, and, and I think it's more evident now than ever. I don't think he should be on the field because of how hurt he is. And if you look throughout the league, you saw what the Ravens did the other night without yeah. Lamar Jackson, right? They won. You saw what Kyler Murray and the Cole, Cole McCoy did mm-hmm. out in Arizona. They're 2-1. and one. I think that the coaching staff missed an opportunity to sit him down, get him healthy, and bring him back. I think this roster was good enough to tread water for two or three weeks without him, and they missed a golden opportunity. If they do it now, I think the least season might be lost. I, I, I agree with that, and that's a fair, fair criticism of the, of the coaching staff there. I mean... He was co- Kevin Stefanski was coach of the year last year, and you know you, you kind of had a little bit of faith in him to make these decisions. And you know uh, that's a fair criticism because when Case Keenum was in there in that spot start, he looked pretty damn good. You know, so it, it's a fair, fair, fair point. I've, I've I've lost a lot of faith in Kevin Stefanski because it's one thing to be at the mercy of Baker. I get that, but some of the X's and O stuff throughout the throughout this year, like the the Williams game, was a perfect example. Like, dude, you got ran out of the building. And you made no adjustments all the way around. Mm-hmm. Like, like what is that? So I've lost all respect for, for, for Stefanski, and maybe he can turn it around but at the moment. I think the Browns are back to being the clowns. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard the Cleveland <laughs> Clowns name a few times the last couple of weeks, and I haven't heard that for about two years now. So that's that's an interesting uh, interesting turn of events here in Ohio. <laughs> mm-hmm. All is right in the world. The Browns and the Bills are returning to the Browns and the Bills. Let's go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All is right in the world. I'm going to dignify that with a response. (laughs) I was like, I'm not even going to touch that. (laughs) Nope. Oh, man. All right. Um, All right, so we got the uh, best bets with the Puma. Uh, So what's uh, what's some of your best bets this year? I don't know about best bets. I mean, I don't know. Should we we take the segment away from you? No, I think we're going to have to rename it. I think we're going to have to rename it how to get off a life support. (laughs) Instead of best bets, okay bets with the Puma. How about that? Okay, good lord, I'll take okay at this point. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and it's not even that, Jay. It's like, 
you know, college basketball. Like I've been doing okay today. I'm I'm not doing so hot. George Mason got freaking blown out against Nevada. I'm probably gonna lose the under in some you know like bum USC University of South Carolina upstate versus South Carolina State. I think I'm gonna lose the under in that game. Um, college football been okay. NFL man, I just I, I couldn't hit water if I fell out of a boat right now, but. You know, here's here are the bets that I got right now uh, going into uh, this week. I got the Washington football team going against Seattle uh, in primetime, Monday Night Football. They're coming up to Washington or technically, technically Landover, Maryland in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but Washington's favored by one point. I'm going to lay the point um, just because Russell Wilson's not healthy. Uh, we can say that he did this miraculous comeback. My body just heals super fast because i'm mr unlimited and uh you know i i gotta do the uh the fake the fake the fake huddle with nobody the ghost runners from second base they were off that day from softball and just the phoniness that russell wilson is uh he's not he's not healthy like he's having a hard time pushing the ball down the field in my opinion uh they they went at one point they had a six quarter stretch uh, without scoring a touchdown, they kind of got a garbage one against the Arizona Cardinals last weekend. Um, the defense is a joke. Jamal Adams is a joke. Um, Taylor Heineke's playing with, I'm sorry, Heineke is playing with a little bit of moxie. Uh, Terry McLaurin, the captain's a bad man. Antonio Gibson's starting to run. Um, and again, you know, this offense, we can say, I can say at least personally myself, uh, this started to kind of round the corner when Brandon Sheriff came back off of uh, injured reserve, uh, the offensive lineman. Uh, he, he was out for a couple of weeks with a knee injury. Um, I, I just like I like this team. Uh, I like them in this spot in prime time. Uh, getting, they're going to lay one point. I think they're, they're going to cover that easily. I, I Personally, I don't really think it's going to be that close. I think Terry McLaurin is going to find the end zone at least two times. Uh, Brown, the, the rookie wide receiver that they drafted, I think he might have himself a little bit of a day too. And, and again, Taylor Heineke's playing with some moxie. People are buying into it, at least I am. Uh, so that's my best bet. Uh, the second one I got, I got Philadelphia. I got this uh, Philadelphia going up against the New York Giants. I believe they're going up to the Meadowlands. Uh, I got them when they were uh, minus three uh, before kickoff last night on Monday Night Football between the Giants and the Buccaneers. Right now it's at three and a half. Um, It's just, you know, you look at the Giants, they can't get out of their own way. They just fired the clapper after Joe Judge threw Jason Garrett headfirst under the bus. Uh, They they look lost. Uh, They didn't even try to disguise their defense last night against Tom Brady, and he just ate them alive. Uh, they really didn't even try to establish the run against the defense in Tampa Bay that didn't have Vita Vea. Kenny Galladay, in my opinion, made a little bit of a business decision, not trying to do some run blocking on wide receiver screens to Kadarius Toney. Danny Jones, Danny Pennies, in the words of Jay, uh, is just a turnover machine. Uh, you know, I, I like where the Eagles are going. They're actually starting to try to run the football a little bit. Uh, we, we've seen... Uh, Jalen Hurst just run all over the place. Maybe Miles Sanders will get involved in the war a little bit more. Uh, but give me, give me uh, Philadelphia lane three on the road. And then my last one, 
Uh, I got the Indianapolis Colts plus three against Tampa Bay uh, for everything that we talked about in the game preview. I just like the moxie. I love Frank Reich, and uh, I think we didn't really talk about it during the game preview. But if you got a chance, go on Twitter and just find Frank Reich's post game, uh, you know, speech in the locker room uh, after that win against the Buffalo Bills. And that dude doesn't show emotion, and that guy was on cloud nine. He was. He was yelling and hollering, and if I'm a player, I want Frank Reich as my head coach. So give me the Colts laying, uh, getting three points against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Philadelphia Eagles laying three against the New York Giants on the road, and Washington football team laying one point at home against the Seattle Seahawks. And then my college bet, I got Ole Miss plus one. Ole Miss plus one in the Egg Bowl against Mississippi State. Rivalry week. Let's go Ole Miss. I think they're going to win outright. I don't think it's really going to be that close. Uh, but, it, again, Jay, like you pointed out offline, it's rivalry week. Emotions are high. Don't take the money line. Just put the money on the spread. Puma, little little advice for you, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't bet college football. Ohio State, Ohio State, Michigan, take Michigan. It's an eight-point really? spread, eight spread right now. That game's gonna be a three-point game, dude. It's gonna be a bloodbath on my on, on, on Saturday, and I and I have the full confidence in the Buckeyes to go up there and, and beat them. But that's gonna be war, man. This is gonna be an right. insane game. Talk talk this through with me, because I really <laughs> don't have a whole lot of money left in the wallet from DraftKings. <laughs> Why am I putting? Walk me through. Like, is it? I mean, I know like the the defensive line for Michigan's got mm-hmm. a couple of uh, hog mm-hmm. volleys. Is the offense? Stunts. Is the offensive line? They're not turnstiles in Ohio State, but are they going to get manhandled? Like, what are we working with here? C.J. Stroud. I, I I have this theory that C.J. Stroud is like the Ryan Tannehill of the college football world. Like, when he is on, dude, oh, my God. He looks like, When he's on, did you guys see what happened in the first half of the Ohio State-Michigan State game? When, when, when he's on, it's 49-0 at halftime, but a lot of times he's not, especially in these big pressure pack situations. And the book's been kind of written on him so far that, you know, in, in the Oregon game, the Nebraska game, if it's a big pressure pack situation, he kind of falters a little bit. And I think going up to Michigan in, in, in that oh, big house. Oh, it's at the big house. It's at the big house. Oh, and those shit. guys and the defensive line is going to play well. Uh, I think, uh, I think uh, taking Michigan... Is gonna be a good a good bet. Man, I got a bet on khaki pants guy though. Oh, man. I would take that bet, bro. Like listen, and this is this is the fucked up part about college football. It's either gonna be an upset win by Michigan or Ohio State's gonna beat them by sixty five points. There's there's no in between. Uh, like that that's the that's the rule when you're betting college football. There's no in between. And I think you've seen that so far, right? It's either Michigan State's gonna pull up the upset or Ohio State's gonna win by fifty points. There's it's just all over the spot for college football, man. Damn. Let's go Wolverines, baby. Oh, God. Here we go. All right. Logging into DraftKings right fucking <laughs> now. Putting some money on Kagi Pants, huh? Yeah, it's going to hurt. Bird, you still uh, you still fighting the fight and not uh, picking a college football team? I'm picking. I'm picking. I'm a Michigan fan this weekend. Oh, Michigan fan. Okay. All right. There we go. That's, that's a good program. This weekend. This, oh, weekend. this weekend. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> It's a I, spike pick. I love khaki it's pants a... guy. <laughs> I love khaki pants guy. We've got, we've got trolling birds here this weekend. <laughs> um, all right. And then the final segment of the day, we've got the fancy bullets with birds. Sir, uh, what's some of your uh, your bullets, I guess? Yeah. So, you know, for me, it's uh, we're coming down the stretch run here, getting ready for playoffs. So it's some key bye weeks, obviously, with the 17 uh 
games scheduled for the NFL bye weeks are a little bit later this year. So some of these bye weeks could impact your 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 playoff run here if you're fighting for a playoff spot. So just just some some interesting ads if you need like just a bye week filler for one week or you had an injury where, you know, a guy's out for a week, so, you know, something like that. Uh, I, I'm targeting Cam Newton if you need a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He's been a pretty good fantasy he's quarterback. Good. He's he's doing good down there in Carolina. And, you know, it's 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 nice to see that, you know, he's he's back. He's having a little bit of success. Um, so I, I, I really like adding him if you need to, you know, fill, fill a bye week there. They are playing Puma's uh, second favorite team, the Miami Dolphins. Um, so potential there for him to have a good, 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 uh, good day. You know, with Christian McCaffrey back there as well as another uh, weapon in that offense. So you know, target target Cam Newton if you need a quarterback this week. If you need some 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 running backs, um, a big one that I like is Boston Scott. Philadelphia has you know become a significantly run heavy team. Behind you know with Jalen Hurts there and uh, you know Miles Sanders coming back from injury, Jordan Howard who uh, who got hurt in the game on Sunday. So it sounds like it's going to be the Miles Sanders and Boston Scott show in the backfield with Jalen Hurts. Um, even with with all three of them there, Boston Scott had himself a pretty productive day uh, last week in the running game. So he would be my number one target uh, if you needed somebody else. Not he, Boston Scott's not available. The two New York Jet running backs. Can't believe I'm saying this. Um, our, our guys to target Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman. Uh, Michael Carter got hurt this past week. He's going to be out a few weeks uh, with an ankle injury. So uh, they're they're pretty uh, pretty well out there. It sounds like they're going to really dominate the the you know the, you're, you have an auction bid on your fantasy uh, waiver wire. They're going to dominate a lot of the uh, the budget to pick up this week. So Ty Johnson, Tevin Coleman, and Boston Scott would be some solid uh, additions to your team. Wide receivers. I know I hit on him. Earlier in the year, Traquan Smith, um, he's getting targeted by Trevor Simeon down there in, in New Orleans. Obviously, they don't have Michael Thomas. He's out for the year. Um, he had eight targets last week, hauled in five catches for 64 yards. He didn't get in the end zone, but he has uh, has had a few weeks where he has gotten in the end zone. So he's a guy that I would target. Um, and another one, Cedric Wilson for Dallas. Amari Cooper obviously not playing on Thursday against the Raiders. CeeDee Lamb. Trending towards not playing. So in terms of the wide receivers for for Dallas, you have you know Michael Gallup, who's who's probably rostered in a lot of your leagues. Cedric Wilson is a solid pickup as well. Um, you know, possibly the number two wide receiver option down there in Dallas. So um, dark horse Tennessee. If AJ Brown can't go and Julio Jones is on IR this year, uh, Nick Westbrook. I don't even know if I'm gonna pronounce this right. Nick Westbrook Eitine. A um, little bit of more of a dark horse. Um, he he saw eight targets uh, this past week against the Texans. Um, if especially if AJ Brown can't go, he's, he's worth taking a flyer on if you need to plug a wide receiver in. Um, they don't really have much else down there in Tennessee, so he's he's worth a shot there. So those those are a few of my uh, my waiver wire ads there. Um, hope you guys are all doing great down the stretch run. My teams are faltering a little bit due to injuries and bye weeks, so we'll see how it, uh, the rest of the season plays out. Yeah. 
Dude, Cam Newton, he, he looks decent. I was like, where the hell has this been last year? He's, he's throwing some bullets. He's getting the ball out quick. I'm like, all right, Cam. You're looking good, they, bro. They ain't asking him, they ain't asking him to uh, to read the defense. That's why. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, you have your point on that. But listen, I'm, I'm happy for it, man. At the end of the day, as much as he bugs mm-hmm. me with some of his things that he says and does, and, you know, at the end of the day, I do want him to succeed. Um, but other than that, I, I really don't have any questions for you this week. I... I'm actually uh, in the playoff hunt right now. Uh, I, uh, Solid. Even though I lost this past week, I've made enough uh, headway in my league to um, to get in the playoff race right now. The only question I really have is, do I play Gronk or do I play Damien Harris? Um, and, and I'm leaving flex. Gronk. Yeah, flex. In a flex. flex, yep. Yeah, because I got Najee Harris and I got uh, Christian McCaffrey as my two running backs. See, see for me, I and this is just a personal preference here, I always go two running backs over or th- a third running back in my flex spot mm. over uh you know a receiver or a, or a tight end unless there's a real mismatch going on there and you know we we talked about the bucks in the game preview you know how I feel about that game um obviously Gronk looked looked good he didn't get in the end zone but he did catch a lot of balls on uh on Monday night uh I'd probably go Go Harris, but that's again it's my personal preference. It's more of a toss up and how you know where your gut lands and I know I know your gut lands more with Tampa Bay than it does with New England, so Yeah, you're not lying there. Be as it may. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think you got a point there. I think I might lean Gronk. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how I feel as Sunday rolls around. Yeah, you you kind of get that feel, you know, Sunday morning, and that's you just trust your gut. That's all I'm going to say. Trust your gut, because then you you can't get mad if something doesn't play out. I will say it's impressive though. You went from like two or three weeks ago to quitting fantasy football, and now you're like, I'm in the playoffs. Oh, look at hunt. that! You thought I was just blowing, well, blowing I, my own backpack? Unbelievable! Well, I, I unbelievable! Stopped, well, I stopped caring. That's what it was. The the moment uh-huh. I stopped caring, the moment I stopped doing analysis and trying to figure out which guy to pick up and play, the moment I stopped, I started winning. That that's the crazy part about fantasy football it's all luck a lot of it is based it's, on it's luck. all luck it's all it I, really I, don't even look, I don't look at the lineups anymore like the last like two or three weeks i'll just like yeah i'll get your like you know your feedback but then i'll just wake up sunday morning i'll be like all right blindly put these people in and we'll see what happens that's what trust yourself football. i mean don't trust don't trust your gut just 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 leave whoever's in there in there just leave yeah. it in I mean, that's, that's basically what fancy football and college football is, man. Like, especially college football, I was telling you, Puma, you just log in DraftKings and just hit typey-typey and let it be, man. <laughs> Dude, I just put the I put the rest of the wallet on Michigan plus eight. So. Did you really? Nice. Yep. Congrats, man. What, what was the bucks. odds on that again? What was the odds on uh, that? I got it at, it was plus eight. I really wish I had it at plus eight and a half, but I got it at a minus 105. So what, what do you get? Like, what do you cash out if you had? Uh, be like 115. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. Yeah, need to uh, fuck it. Damn the torpedoes. Damn them. Cac- Damn them. How that Cac- how that work out for you last weekend? Yeah, it was great. As if I didn't have enough fun with a bird strike on my truck. I had to hear <laughs> I had to hear the, the the Falcons game on the radio. And by the way, it didn't help. Where like you got you know you guys are texting in the group chat that I'm in. I don't have an iPhone. I have the Android. <laughs> so whenever you guys are like, Jay Chima, emphasize this, or Eric Burge, like this, it's like the truck is speaking to me. Dude, I was in D.C. traffic, and the fucking truck <laughs> was singing to me with all these, like, back and forth of emphasized and liked and blah, blah, blah. I was like, motherfucker, I'm going to drive into the goddamn Potomac at this point. I'm over this shit. I hate everybody. Damn them. 
You know you can put that on mute, right? I'm sure there's a way to uh, the setting that you can turn that off, right? At that point, at that point, with how my day was going, Jay, yeah, with like almost killing Bambi, and then Big Bird became a hood ornament on my car. Um, <laughs> I wasn't touching anything. Oh. Wasn't touching a goddamn thing. So yeah. no. What no. time did you get home? What time did you get home? Uh, 12:30 in the oh, morning. My I started my trip at 3:45 in the morning. Damn, oh that, my god! What time did you make it into uh, New Jersey? Uh, around, oh God, like 1045, 11 o'clock. Damn. Holy shit. Well, man. that's, I made it 1045, 11 o'clock at the Montvale rest stop. I didn't get to the first rest stop in New Jersey. Once I got over the uh, Delaware Memorial War Bridge. Um, I didn't get there till about like nine. 945? Oh, nine, my nine, God. So that, that Washington, D.C. traffic really here slowed you down, huh? Oh, dude, you have no idea. Like, going through Richmond, fine. D.C., fucking nightmare. Isn't there a way nightmare. around that? Isn't there, like, an outer way that you can get around D.C.? So, 95 was gridlocked, and then D, uh, the, the GPS put me on, like, some Maryland state route, like MD-38, which kind of mm. goes outside of the city once you go past, like, you know, the freaking Washington Monument if you're looking out the highway. Like, once you get past that, MD-38 was gridlocked, and then it was raining, like, the rest of the trip, so everyone was driving, like, 30 on the freaking highway. Dude, like, dude yeah, I love, yeah, I love, I, I love, like, road trips, but, like, road trips in snow or rain, I hate I absolutely cannot do it just because like you're never you're never comfortable. You're always on edge with the rain or the, or the snow, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now at that point, I'm exhausted. I have mm-hmm. two cans of Bang Energy Drink. It smelled like a freaking frat house in my truck. Like, <laughs> bro, like I was getting a headache from the fumes of the goddamn energy drink. It's like I'm over this shit. I'm gonna kiss long, the driveway when I got home. How long did it take them to fix your windshield? Um, about. All in four hours. That's not horrible, but man, that traffic must have been terrible, mm-hmm. dude. The traffic sucked, um, and then like the windshield that, that you know I had to go. I it happened in Wilson, North Carolina, so drove to the uh, the the auto glass shop, Caliber, which was awesome. Thank God because Safe Flight was useless, um, but Caliber yeah. came through clutch. They had to drive from Wilson to Raleigh Durham to go get the windshield for the truck. That's 40 minutes out, 40 minutes back. Took about an hour to put it on. And then, uh, you know, you had to let the damn windshield rest so it would properly yep. seal. And, dude, it was just an absolute shit show. So, like, about two hours trying to find an auto body shop and about an hour and a half, two hours just trying to get the damn thing put on the truck. See, Puma, I've got no patience for that. I would have just, like... Gone a hotel room like outside of DC after all that. Nah, it became a pride thing, Jay. Became a pride (laughs) thing. I'll tell you this much though: like, if I was that tired, like, I'm not gonna fucking risk myself or other people on the highway. Like, obviously, if I'm like getting the heavy eyes at 11:30 at night, I'm stopping somewhere and getting a hotel. But like, no, I was, I was fine. I'm, I'm going home. I'm sleeping in my own bed. Yes. Too too, too bad the Buffalo Bills weren't playing on Thursday night football. I bet you would have. Oh, stopped. I would have just I would have just drove off of uh, MD thirty eight into the woods in Maryland. Yeah. There was a one time that I was doing that Ohio back to Connecticut, um, and like halfway through Pennsylvania, it started snowing really bad. And on top of that, like I was starting to get like drowsy, and then the car it got to a point where it's snowing so heavy I didn't expect all this. The car started like weaving, and like even mm-hmm. I was going twenty five miles per hour, and it still had like issues staying on the road. And I was like, yeah, I, I ain't doing this. 
I'm just going to get a hotel and just kind of stay in this shitty rundown hotel in Scranton, Pennsylvania. See, that would have been a pride thing for me. I would have kept going in the snow saying I could do it. That would have been no. that would have been when I would have said, damn the torpedoes. Damn the torpedoes. <laughs> nah, man. Not, not that snow, man. My, my car has four-wheel drive, and it was still all over the fucking spot. Yeah. The, no. you, don't want to, you really don't want to mess around with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. Well, uh, that's all I've got, fellas. You guys want to call it a day? Yeah, I think we're good. I think we're good. Got the good plug tonight. That's good. Yeah, last yeah. week you sure heard me. I was like, um, so follow Stumbling. us here, maybe. Um, follow Birds, us here. What's your handle? Well. What's your Twitter handle, Birds? What, what's Birds? <laughs> Birds. Twitter handle? Oh my god! <laughs> Freaking laptop died. I hated everybody. When when the laptop died, it was like, all right, maybe this. Uh, maybe we should call the trip back home uh, on account of weather. But anywho, we're gonna plug it up right. I'm back. The laptop's working for now. This episode of the podcast and previous episodes of the pod can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. YouTube, hit that little uh, subscribe button. Get that little notification in your feed of when we have our new videos coming up because of our, you know, our captain, Jay Chima, in the lab, slicing everything up for your... For your uh, listening and viewing pleasure we also got a tiktok now you guys are gonna have to help me out is it just at pro football radio on tiktok or pfr yeah. radio what do we pfr radio pro football radio pro football radio pro football radio on the tiktok machine again we'll have those little shorts up for you guys on there apple podcast be sure to leave a five-star review helps with the algorithm helps get us uh, exposure to the masses social media wise Instagram, Facebook, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter Machine at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter Machine, Brando underscore Puma. The captain, Jay Chima, is at Jay Chima. And our senior contributor, senior analyst, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge, is at Burge, the goalie, B-U-R-G, the goalie, on the Twitter Machine. And that is all I got. Like, subscribe, download, hit us up on the DMs on all social media platforms. We'll be sure to get to you guys, get that interaction going, and uh, have a happy, safe, enjoyable Thanksgiving. Enjoy some football. Have the food coma. Make sure you got those sweatpants on. Extra stretch waistband. Let's go. Get ready. Get the booze. Get the food. Here we go. Damn the torpedoes! <laughs> yeah, that's a new saying of the podcast. Damn the torpedoes! Let's go. And real quick, real quick, I gotta you know you guys take your headphones off real quick. Yeah, this you gotta do it. One. I was gonna prompt you for it. This is our special one for our boy Freddie Soliotis, Freddie Hercules on the Instagram machine. Freddie Soliotis, you're fired. Wow! 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 Um, Love you, Freddie. Coach Dirty just dropped the Lakers versus Pistons Phil session. I can't wait to watch this. Oh, I'm going to watch that while I'm eating food. Let's go. <laughs> we get the hell out of here. I will right, we'll see you guys soon. Bye. Right, happy Thanksgiving. Later.